Well, I thank you. I'm <coughs> Tiffany Couch, and I'm a CPA, forensic accountant, uh, down in Vancouver, and I've been working on the um, CRC, uh, basically a forensic accounting of this project since April 1st of 2011. <coughs> and I really appreciate your time today. Um, just really briefly, all I want to do today is talk to you a little bit about my professional background, um, read to you a prepared statement, and then just give you a very brief highlight of some of the findings that I have, findings that I have. Um, I have prepared binders for you. I've written a white paper that will just bring everything into context, and there's all kinds of evidence and documents attached, and we'll sort of go through that today. Um, so if you want to go to the next page. I'm just uh, going to tell you a little bit about who I am. I'm a certified public accountant, but I'm sort of your non-traditional CPA in that 100% of my work is forensic accounting engagements. I do uh, a lot of fraud investigation, a lot of litigation support type of work. I um, have clients from Washington, D.C. to Florida to the Midwest and the Southwest and, of course, lots of clients here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, a private citizen being one of them who hired me to look at the CRC and basically his question was where's the money going and uh, you know can you please tell me what that might look like. In my previous life uh, when I first became a certified public accountant I was a governmental auditor. So I understand the nuances of fund accounting and um, you know audited county governments, school districts, cities and the like down in California. A lot of people ask me uh, what I can do, what I can't do. What I can do here today and, to, and for any client or any judge or jury is to bring out any uh, questionable items that I might find, but I'm not the judge or jury, so I can't say anybody's guilty of anything ever. That's not my role. My role is to basically uh, tell the story of what happens to other people's money. So I'll just read my prepared statement and then we'll kind of get into the uh, nitty-gritty of what I've discovered. As a certified public accountant and certified fraud examiner, it is my professional opinion, based on information that I've reviewed and measured against the continued difficulties in dealing with the Columbia River Crossing Project Office, that the accounting and contracting practices for the CRC project are characterized by irregularities and planning missteps on many fronts. The magnitude of these irregularities in terms of quantity, amount, and qualitative aspects of the project are more than adequate to indicate that this project is suffering from a severe lack of accountability, transparency, and oversight. It is my further opinion that these irregularities are of a sufficient depth to warrant an intervention on this project and perhaps a termination or delay until procedures are in place that will provide for centralized accounting and financial decision making and compliance with federal and state contracting standards. Whether there is sufficiency to elevate these irregularities to a definition that would warrant the assertion of civil or criminal practices is not the subject of my comments today. And such definition could not be ascribed without further scrutiny and investigation. That responsibility is yours. And you are the elected officials who uh, represent all of us. And uh, of course, I've put Washington in Oregon as well. Um, it's really now is the time for you guys to understand truly what's going on here. 
um, so that maybe a, a timeout could be called. And I'm going to tell you a little bit why I think that. So I, I did provide a PowerPoint um, if you wanted to follow along. So what are we going to talk about today? I'm just going to tell you briefly the sources and uses of funds on this project. Um, back in June, I went to the Oregon State Legislators, and they literally looked at me and said, Tiffany, we don't even know what the CRC is. What do you mean they're spending all of this money? And I literally had to kind of back all the way up. So if any time I'm way ahead of you, please just call a timeout, and I'll, I'll help you out there. So real quickly, I'm going to talk to you just about the sources and uses of the funds that the CRC has spent to date, um, my findings related to their lack of appropriate project reporting, the questionable accounting pra contracting practices that I've uncovered, some significant tax order discrepancies that I want to talk to you about, as well as uh, non-compliance with public records requests. And lastly, um, we're going to talk about why we uh, see so many significant factors requiring further investigation. So if you look at tab A in your binder, you're just going to see basically the summary, uh, if you want to go to the next page, the summary funding by type. And basically what this uh, schedule is, the CRC created this and provided it to me, was where's the money coming from? And $152 million was funded for this project through about June of last year. $15 million coming from the Federal uh, Highway Administration. $62 million coming from Oregon. $75 million coming from Washington. When I read the interstate agreement uh, that was created between um, ODOT and WashDOT, it clearly says that the states are going to share equally in costs. And so I thought it might be interesting for you as legislators to know that um, Washington's actually put in about 13 million more into this project than Oregon has. Okay, next, next page. Um, if you go to Schedule B in your binder, that's a spreadsheet I had to create. And I had to create that spreadsheet because I was not been, the CRC and the WSDOT was unable to provide me with any report that would show me the expenditures that were paid by the CRC. That doesn't exist. And uh, they literally provided me with 28,000 lines of data in an Excel spreadsheet that I had to then interpret and um, basically work with. And that summary is on page B, or sorry, exhibit B. What the Washington State Department of Transportation Accounting System told us was that $125 million has been spent by the state DOT for CRC through June of 2011. $88 million of the 125 has gone to one vendor, and that vendor is David Evans and Associates. You'll see that the Two uh, lines right under David Evans and Associates um, have no information. And basically, those represented, um, at first we thought expenditures without vendor names. We later found out that they were journal entries or expenditures that were made in other funds that were basically journal entried into the CRC fund. But when that journal entry happened, we lost all audit trail information. So I'm told that that $18 million represents anything from payroll to expenditures that were paid out of another fund that were then vouchered into the CRC fund, and I use that term loosely. 
So we have $18 million here that um, unless I go and ask the CRC for each individual specific journal entry, we don't know um, who that money was paid to. Few other things that I found in the data, and, and that is that the, the Washington State Department of Transportation data is a mess. And I, I say that meaning um, if you look at my spreadsheet, you'll see that I had to put all of these letters next to some of these numbers because we'll have vendor names that are entered four or five times um, in the system. And that, that just as an accountant, it basically tells me that our data entry into the DOT system is lacking some internal controls because you only want a vendor entered once. I want to be able to run a report and say how much money did I spend to Tiffany Couch. I want to be able at the end of this month to run a 1099 and be able to comply with federal um, requirements to, to provide those kinds of statements. And when you have a vendor listed more than once in a system, you have lost the ability to run some meaningful reports. So um, just very briefly, there, there seems to be some problems here with the actual data entry into WASH DOGS system. <coughs> On to uh, the next. Um, if you go to Exhibit D, I, I, I keep saying this, that there's a lack of project reporting. The first time I met with the CRC, they literally dumped thousands of documents into my client's lap. Uh, when he had asked, you know, what are the expenditures of the CRC? He got 724 PDF forms. They had thousands of pages in some of them. They were lacking an index. They were very difficult to work with. And so we went to this meeting and I said, you know, can I just call a timeout? I really just want a financial statement. I, I'm a geeky accountant and I like to start up here and then work my way down. And the, the lady at the CRC office said, well, Ms. Couch, we don't have a balance sheet or an income statement. And I said, oh, well, I, I turned that into government terminology. And she said, no, no, you don't understand. We don't have financial statements. We're not required to have financial statements because we're a project office and not an agency. And I said, well, I understand that. You've got to roll up into WashDOT somehow but you're running this big project here. I said, you must have like a job cost report. You must have a budget to actual report. No, they do not have that. Um, we're not able to provide that to me. They have been able to provide me what I'm showing you at Schedule D, which is their purported cost report sorted by consultant, which are supposed to be their report of expenditures for the CRC project. The problem with this report that they're providing to me is that it doesn't reconcile to the Washington State DOT um, data from the Washington State DOT accounting system. And I'll just give you one example. We know that they've paid $2 million to Vancouver Center. It's rent. It's in the check register for the DOT. If you look at Schedule D, Vancouver Center is not listed as a vendor anywhere. So I have asked the project office on October 18th and again on October 10th or something like that. I said, listen, can I just, instead of all these emails coming back and forth, can I just come into your office? Can we sit down? Can we talk about these discrepancies? And I was told that a meeting was not necessary. So 
they've been unwilling, unfortunately, thus far to even meet with me to, for me to understand why these discrepancies exist. Okay, next one. So again, we don't have a budget to actual report. Okay, I, I kind of created one uh, myself. We don't have a job cost report. We don't have a balance sheet, an income statement. We have nothing that would be a typical um, accounting report that people can look at and make good decisions on. And when asked, we are given literally 28,000 lines of data and thousands upon thousands of pages of invoices and said, do it yourself, which I did. And I'm here to tell you what we found. Okay, next page. So I wanted to walk you through now uh, the contracting of this project so you kind of understand where they started and where they're at today. In February 2005, they did a call to consultants and they basically said, um, and I can show you that really quick. I'm on exhibit E in the book. They basically said in February 2005, hey, we're looking for an engineering firm to come in, do the environmental impact statement process for this CRC project. They indicated in this call to consultants that the project was gonna quote unquote cost in excess of 20 million. And that at the time, they had funding for six million, okay? What I have found out was that only one firm bid on this project, and if you go to Exhibit F, you'll see that that firm is David Evans & Associates. David Evans & Associates is the only firm to have put in a statement of qualifications for this project. And two months later, or three months later, in May of 2005, you'll see that they were provided with a $50 million contract. So automatically, that doesn't add up to me, right? I'm looking at a call to consultants in February 2005. It says we're gonna be in excess of 20 million. We have funding for six. What I don't have a clear trail of is how that 20 million got um, increased to 50 and a contract for 50 executed in May of 2005. I have included in Exhibit F just the front page of that maximum amount payable contract and the last page showing that it was signed. And if you want the whole thing, I can, I can certainly provide that to you. So that's May 2005. They're gonna get you through the uh, draft environmental impact process. They're gonna get you through the final environmental impact statement all the way to the record of decision for a maximum amount payable of $50 million. If you go to Schedule G, Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, H. You'll see that in May 2008, so three years later, a $45 million supplemental agreement was executed between David Evans and Associates and Washington DOT, effectively increasing that $50 million contract to a $95 million contract. And in May of 2011, an additional $10 million was added so that now the environmental impact statement process, at least for this one contractor, has gone from $50 million to $105 million. And we, at least with these documents, we don't have change orders. We have some spreadsheets, or sorry, some communication that says they just needed more funding. They're not changing the scope of work. And so um, I thought you should know about that. The other interesting um, item, if you'll go to the next screenshot, 
is the billing rate schedule for this contractor, David Evans and Associates. The contract was executed so that they were allowed to mark up every single billable hour by 172.82% for an overhead rate. And then on top of that, an additional 30% for 31% for a profit margin. Now I've called around to several engineering firms and I've asked what the standard is. And I literally had people saying either if they knew me or Tiffany, are you kidding me? to Ms. Couch, are you serious? You know, in, in private industry, our normal fee is around eight to 10% max. And so they seemed to be very, at least these engineering folks that I talked to, seemed to be very surprised that a 31% profit overhead was executed on a governmental project. So that's the contract. Now, that's just basically telling David Evans, you've got this much money to do a bunch of work. And all of that work is going to be in Exhibit L in what we call task orders. And each, okay, really quick, I really wanna show you these task orders because this spells out all the work they're gonna do. And what you need to know is a couple of things. Number one, there are 11 task orders eight of which were over budget and over time, okay? And we're not talking about a little bit over budget. We're talking about 63 change orders that included $25 million in additional costs from what they originally budgeted for. That's number one. Um, the only three task orders that they came in on budget and on time were all worth less than $150,000. My biggest concern, however, is if you look at it, task orders AD and AF back from 07 and 08, they basically tell you that David Evans and Associates is going to get you through the DEIS process, they're gonna get you through the locally preferred alternative process, they're gonna publish the final impact statement, and they're going to obtain the full funding grant from the FTA and then the record of decision. And you can see that they said they were gonna do that by December of 09, if you look at task order AF. But in May 2010, a new task order is created. And this task order is AH. And it says it's going to advance the CRC project through the DEIS and begin the FEIS and biological assessment activities. That appears to be a discrepancy from what they told us a couple of years prior <coughs> that they were gonna get us all the way to the record of decision. And so those that task order AH alone uh, came in at $15 million with $8 million of change orders for a total of $24.8 million extra. Even though two years prior, they said they were gonna get you all the way through the record of decision. If you will flip over to exhibit M, the CRC gave you a briefing paper basically talking a little bit about what I've said in public so far. And if you look at page three of their briefing paper, when they list task order AF, they don't tell you what task order AF said. They tell you that task order AF was to quote unquote, continue the NEPA process and refine the project. But if you flip over one page, that's not what task order AF said at all. And if you look at their actual task order, task order AF clearly shows that they're gonna get you through the record of decision. 
So what I don't understand is why they are telling you that it's a much more vague task order, a task order that cost you $24 million in their own writings to you when the task order says something very different. So I just want to summarize um, that I've got, I was teaching a couple weeks ago in uh, Texas and I'm teaching new fraud examiners how to be fraud examiners and I'm basically teaching them the, the, the basics of uh, public sector fraud and um, uh, irregularities and contracting and as I'm going through these steps I thought gosh that's interesting I see some of this um, similarities or issues in this client that I'm working on back home and so what I did is I went to the fraud examiner's manual that is a tried and true uh, industry accepted manual and I just went through and I listed every single irregularity that they list for public sector and um, contract-related irregularities. And then I went through and said, do I see signs of this in the CRC project? Yes or no? And I didn't discriminate. I, if there was a no, I left the no in there. I would expect, as a fraud uh, examiner, as a CPA, that nearly every single one of these should be answered no. And what you're going to see is that we have a lot of yeses, we have a lot of maybes, we have a lot of unknowns. Currently, the project's spending nearly $2 million a month, um, and you need to know that. They're, they're spending about $1.89 million a month, and um, we've got a lot of problems here. My findings should only be taken into context with the significant and major findings of other experts. I am just an accounting person. We've got Mr. Peterson in the back, who is a very well-known, world-renowned uh, bridge engineer uh, and architect. We have the Oregon State Treasurer who has said that the project's half a billion dollars off in its funding. We have, I've got a whole list in my report of several experts who've basically put their necks out there and said there's a problem here, and I'm just one. So I hope you'll put that into context. Mr. Moeller. Thank you. Um, so are you, based on what you might share with us, mm -hmm. are you or are you not accusing the CRC of fraud? Absolutely not. I'm saying there are red flags here that need to be investigated. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other questions that you have? I have a question. Tiffany, um, first place, Washington's invested 13 million more than Oregon. And I, I think uh, you'll find that we were aware of this, I believe it was last session, and we met with the governor. We, we explained our concern with the governor on this. She went down and met with the governor of Oregon, okay. and they kicked in some more money. At that point, uh, thank goodness we did that because it would have looked really bad uh, today because they were way behind. I don't remember what they kicked in in addition. I want to say another 70 million. Uh, 20, 24 And then uh, my question is on the RFP that they went out for, 
and then maybe it's more to DOT, and maybe I, maybe you guys can answer this, maybe you can't. When you uh, send out an RFP, do you give an estimated price that you think that RFP is going to come in at as far as contracting or? The ranges, usually ranges. The rate? Greater than 20 million. Yeah. I don't remember, they love to go back and check if there's one higher than that, if there's a greater than 20 or if that's the high, I'll have to go back and look. And when you, when you guys send out RFPs, and I've sent out a bunch of them, if you only get one, uh, one respondent on the RFP, do you ever reissue those RFPs and encourage more uh, input on those? Or Well, I'm prepared to speak a little bit about the procurement process in general and, and uh, with some, not a lot of specificity about this at the right moment. So, okay. So I'd right. be happy to I'll, talk I'll let, a little bit about that. I'll just let that go. So um, my last question for Tiffany is, so the RFP that came in and the range it sounds like, and maybe we'll hear from uh, Dave on this, but the range it sounds like was somewhere between six and 20 million. And, and so what you're saying is you think that final range was about 105 million, is that the final number? The final, con at least as of June 30th of, of 2011, that final contract right now stands at 105 million. Okay. And does it do everything that was originally uh, expected I mean, there's been a lot of change orders, and I think you should know that when I look at these task order changes, I am actually literally seeing copy and paste of it's the same vendor, the same exact work, the same little uh, account numbers, task order numbers, copy paste. And so, but there's no explanation of, you know, we just ran out of funding. Why are we appearing to do the same work that we've already tasked prior? Um, but what I'm saying is you, you showed in AH mm -hmm. that it wasn't taking us as far as in AF, I think it was. And so at the $105 million, does that get us as far as the AF, or is it still back at the AH level? The $105 so million. So we've added more money and, and gotten the and same, lowered our it's expectations. The same scope of work. The same, it's still, the scope of work is to get you all the way through the record of decision. Okay. That was going to be fifty million. That vendor is now, or contractor is now, is now at one hundred and five million. But you're to get to that same to point. get you to that same point. Okay. Um, oh. I just how much? So how much have we actually paid this vendor so far? Is that the 80, eighty-eight million, million through June of eleven? Eighty-eight million. Right, and so understand he's the general, so a lot of that money flows down to the subcontractors, but the checks right. are written to David Evans for eighty-eight million. So That's so far. Okay. Mm -hmm.